welcome to Buena Vista, episode 144. I am Ben, and I am here, lashed to the mast of a ghostly, derelict ship, unable to die and forced to strain against my bonds for eternity as penance for the most heinous of crimes, mutiny. Hovering above the bow of the ship, taunting me with the sweet embrace of love that I will never again experience, it's the ghost of my by now surely dead wife, Theo. Hello, Theo. Hey, how you going? Not great. I'm, um... Right, no, I... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I did just ask that out of, like, reflex, but I do see now that you are absolutely bound, mm. um, both in body and spirit, to the front of the ship there. What do you it's call that bit that goes out the front there? That's the prow. The prow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if I was unable to, well, able to uh, divorce myself from these physical chains and ropes, uh, I feel I would still be... Unable to leave the ship, regardless. I think I right, and that's because of the ghostly bonds that hold you here. Yes, uh, spiritual and mental. Perhaps my own guilt ties me to this ship, knowing that I should not have betrayed my shipmates as thus. Uh, so yeah, probably stuck here until I guess Judgment Day. Um, yeah, getting nipped at by <laughs> uh, all sorts of critters, going through storms and stuff. Uh, passing ships will take pot shots at me. It's not great. How how are you though? I'm sorry, that was rude. You, no, I'm I'm good. Look, you look. I, th- uh, I do. I don't want to compare your problems to mine because it does seem like you've got a lot going on there. So, um, I'll probably just uh, shelve any complaints that I was going to have. Oh, look, you um, know, it's part of it's human bit, conversation talking about your complaints. You don't. Have yeah, to, it's a bit not on my it's part. A bit, bit chilly. I am up the front of this <laughs> this ship uh, with one one titty out. Mm, and which, um, <laughs> thank you, by the way. <laughs> it has actually eased the burden of this a little bit for me. <laughs> Wouldn't have been bad at seeing two, but hey, I'm not going to... Even one is, you know, great. It's but just it's, the way that this that works with this long, flowy garment that I've got here. Mm, it's totally. sort of a one-titty sort of garment. <laughs> yep. it's, you went into uh, the ghostly dress store and you said, have you got any sort of like over-the-shoulder one-titty numbers? One-titty. <laughs> Uh, but we're not alone here, uh, flying ominously high above me, surely an omen of ill portent. It's a, it's a great albatross. It's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Caw! <laughs> I don't think that's the noises that an albatross would make. Uh, that's right, I'm, the sound of an albatross. I'm not an ornithologist, uh, mm. amateur or professional or otherwise. Hey, just from up here, um, i got to ask, your bonds, they look very ghostly, Quite corporeal. It seems like you could just kind of, kind of waft them away with your hand. Why don't you try that? It try, you know, I, I don't want to. No, I, I appreciate. It. I appreciate that you're trying to help. You have to understand. I've been here for what could either have been months or thousands of years. Um, and I, I've tried. I'm going to say at this point that I have tried everything. I've tried wishing them away, praying them away, simply slipping out of them. Uh, I've tried jumping off the boat every time I uh, I close my eyes on impact with the water, and then when I open them again, I'm I'm back here, I'm um, I'm inside the ropes. And I thank you for asking, but yeah, no, that's not gonna. I don't think that's gonna help me. All right. Well, the good news is that when I do take a big albatross-sized uh, shit, it goes right through you and hits the deck. Seems like I'm already dead, which is interesting. Um, well, you're dead, but you don't here. have bird shit on you. I'm trying to show you a silver lining, <laughs> yeah, but you I, seem pretty determined <laughs> to, to be a bit of a downer about this. You think maybe it's my negative attitude that's keeping me here? Well, it's not helping. Maybe the only thing that could free me from this <laughs> ship is the secret. What if I visualized 
not being on this ship. Maybe the only thing that could help you is a positive attitude in this time, time of trouble. I'll give it a bash. I appreciate that. Although it's hard to make a vision board with your arms pinned to your side by ghostly bonds. I don't. Now, I don't claim to be an expert on the secret, despite mm-hmm. maybe mentioning it in uh, at least one out of every three episodes that we do. Uh, yep. I, I think, I don't know if the vision board is a necessary tool or just a useful aid uh, to the visualization process. I also, I don't know if the secret operates by like witchcraft rules where you need uh-huh. certain rituals for things to work. I'm not really sure, but yeah, a, a vision board is off the cards at this point. Yeah, I guess so. Perhaps you could uh, retreat to your mind palace and conjure a mental vision board. Yep. Although, I, yeah. Again, I, I don't know enough about the secret, but uh, I'll give that a bash as well. <laughs> we really should get a secretologist on one of these episodes. I, hmm. I have been meaning for a long time to do an episode solely about the secret. Uh, and maybe now that we're in a time of complete and utter despair and desperation. Uh, we think it's time to read the secret? I'd, oh, God. I'm probably going to have to read The Secret, aren't I? I was going to do it without reading it. What's um, the point? Obviously. I might just watch the DVD again. I mean, I've seen it before when I was 17, but uh, I might need a refresher. But surely they haven't. They haven't got everything in there, you know? I mean, the book's not very big. There are a lot of expansion books, though. Uh, add-ons. It's I think the key is, if you if you do notice an omission in the book... Uh, all you have to do is sort of imagine what you'd like to fill that emission, uh, and it will it'll be in there. That's true. Guess, That's um, the great power of the secret. I guess uh, I I do have an issue with the expansion packs. I suppose the, the DLC of the secret, the the DLC for the secret, which is it kind of has you asking the question: if the secret worked. And what's uh what are, what are the extra bits doing for you? you know? Yeah, I think plot wise they really painted themselves into a corner there. <laughs> Hold on, uh, the author of the secret, uh, Rhonda Byrne, she sure does. Uh, she also has a another book called The Power. I believe it's related to the secret. It's it not is like a, a sequel. It's a sequel. Does it say? Well, have you got any info there on what? Oh wow, that's very strange. So maybe, this the, is just... maybe the power was the secret, but after how well the secret sold, the secret's out by that point. There is no keeping that secret anymore. 2006. Yeah. Tell you what, I reckon I saw the DVD from that in 2007. I saw the secret when it was fresh. I've been there since its inception. I've been on that train early. Big secret head. Wait, the film came first. Really? No. I refuse to believe that. I... Based on an earlier film from 2006. Huh. Well, that's deeply strange. All right. Well, this is all well, this more. Well, you should go back to the DVD then. Uh, yeah, I'll start with the DVD. I'll go into the book and then we'll, we'll present our findings to you. Maybe we'll all be changed. Uh, yeah, if, no, I, w- I would love to watch it too. Maybe. Oh, that seems like something we could live stream almost. Yeah, we'll sort something out. We'll right. sort something out. Anyway, this has been a segment we like to call things we might do in the future, but also might not. Please don't hold us to it. Who could say? Nobody knows. That's the secret. That's not the secret. That's <laughs> well, it wouldn't be called the secret if we knew what the secret was. <laughs> oh dear. So I guess it's time to to check in on what's happening in the big world of coronavirus. 
<laughs> where we're all inside looking at our phones all day, telling our children to shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, I assume that's what everyone else is doing. You know, I, I mean, I'm mostly yelling at my dog to get out of it, out of it, you grub. Get out of that. It. Yeah, oh, you gotta love saying get out of it. It's really satisfying to yell at something. I do that's say good. that to my kids too. I gotta <laughs> say, get out of it. What are they getting into? Oh, you know what I've started saying to my kids that feels really good? <laughs> Knock it off. That's another great one to yell. No, when they'll either ask me for something, which I give to them, but then as soon as I've given it to them, I say, now, be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say, saying be gone to a being who is much smaller than you feels Casting fantastic. them from your vision. Does it Absolutely. make you feel like... Fucking Max von Sydow was Ming the Merciless. Yeah, oh. You've been cast out of the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I hereby banish you from the bathroom where I'm about to take a shit. That's right. Now, that does sound sound fun, but I think... There's something... There's something really special about flipping a pet off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I would never do that to my dog. (laughs) Oh, I love saying fuck you to my cat. Yeah. And just, like, getting your finger right up in their face. Fuck Because they only have, like, the vaguest kind of ability to translate shapes into metaphorical meaning. And (laughs) most of that's just based around you reaching for food. They, They simply have no idea that they're being insulted... And being uh, laid low by a vicious middle finger. Okay, so uh, this this leads me to another topic. We're 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 moving away from coronavirus for a moment, and that's good because we're all sick of it, frankly. Um, but I will say it's it's related only in the sense that coronavirus has been causing me to rewatch a lot of old movies that I love. Um, I was I was quite worried recently to realize that a movie like Cliffhanger could absolutely be classified as an oldie by this point. Mm. Uh, Cause that came out a long time ago. Cliffhanger came out in like you know 1990 or something like that. You know. Uh, so anyway, I was watching. Yeah. I was watching the uh, the one of the two major uh, animal slash police. Uh, buddy comedy cop movies Uh first being Turner and Hooch of course sorry Tom Hanks and a dog Uh, and the second being Canine starring John Belushi and a dog so uh, John Belushi he's a cop he likes to work alone he's a loose cannon but he gets paired up with a partner but this partner is record scratch a dog (laughs) bro huh um, and so, you know, there's scenes uh, where the, the dog does not cooperate with what he wants to do. I mean, hey, if the dog just followed his, his every command uh, smoothly and easily, wouldn't be much conflict there in the script, you know? Uh, but instead, hey, they're the odd couple at the start. He's telling the dog to do stuff. The dog's not doing it. Uh, he yells in the dog's face. And I was watching this and I said to my wife, do you think the dog knows that he's acting in a movie because like you tell you you can train a dog to do the dog stunts in a movie i'm sure we've all seen john wick three yep haven't seen it oh Oh, for fuck's sake (laughs) so get on that you can train a dog to do things but there's there's a point in this movie where uh um 
Did I say John Belushi before? Because I absolutely meant James Belushi. Neither of us. The brother from According to Jim. Pull you up on that at all. There wasn't a chance Mm. in the world. Uh, So, you know, there's scenes where the dog is terrorizing criminals who are like up on a bar shrieking while this terrifying German shepherd barks and snaps and tries to bite them. There's scenes where like the dog's getting told off and someone's yelling in its face for a while. And I'm like, I wonder if the dog is like, okay, he's doing his lines and I'm pretending to be sad. Or is the dog just like, now I'm being yelled at and I don't know why. I've been commanded to sit still. And now this man is pointing his finger in my face. He's flipping me off. He's saying, fuck you, dog. <laughs> you know, are we just causing distress to this poor, poor German shepherd? Who, as far as I know, was not actually a real policeman. So he gets a pass. I think so. Surely, like, emotional resilience training is part of becoming a dog actor. <laughs> is like having someone acting aggressive towards you. You're trained to know that it's acting, right? To be like, it's okay, though. He's not really going to kill you. He's not He's really not flipping you, you off. Yeah. When yeah, just a lot of scenes of, of James Belushi being like, you're an arsehole. <laughs> and the dog goes... <laughs> it is fun Although, to call them names. Although the dog's uh, noises more than likely done in post, you know? Oh, you reckon they uh, ADR'd that in? The dog's like in the booth doing Ooh. those like loops so it can sync up the lip movements properly? Yeah, the dog's like... Oh, that was dog's like, another go. <coughs> Sorry, let me take that again. <laughs> have a little bit of water here. And the trouble oh. is when you have to dub it for, you know, like French or Italian audiences <laughs> and you have to make the same... The, 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 yeah. <laughs> But fit the fit the uh, the mouth movements, vocal patterns. Very it's difficult. Well, that's why they. This, uh, this, of course, also led me on to my other big philosophical concern about movies, which is um, I was thinking about the the scene in American Sniper. Never uh, seen the, it. The movie about Chris Kyle. I don't oh wait, I. no, no, I have seen it. Uh, it's the one with the fake baby, and he's the guy that. It's the one with the fake baby, because yeah. that's the thing everybody remembers about the Clint Eastwood-directed hagiography of a uh, psychopath and serial fantasist, Chris Kyle. And everybody remembers the scene where Bradley Cooper is, like, comforting a very clearly rubber baby. Um, and everyone was like, ha, huh, that's silly. And I was like, you know what? Number one, it's acting. That's fine fake baby you're not really killing people in movies like in john wick 3 which we've all seen uh because this this is a thing i'm sure i've said before ever since having kids uh now when i see an actual really upset crying baby in a movie i'm like give that baby back to its parents yeah no doubt standing four feet out of the frame giving the baby the thumbs up and signing like a contract or something I'm sure there's like lots of stuff in place and some sort of something going on or whatever, but it always just feels shit. You're just like, someone go over there right now. And See then- like Charlie's Theron holding a, a very distraught uh, 14-month-old that is constantly looking off camera. Ugh. And I'm like, you know-, you know what? Baby doesn't know it's it's acting. But the inverse on, of on that, that. The dog can- might, baby doesn't. You know when you see in movies where like the actor... As, like, the character is having a quite positive interaction with, like, a very young child or an animal where you know that you can't script the behavior of the very young child or, depending on the type of animal, that part of that has to be an authentic kind of exchange of being like, oh, the baby just, like, tried to pick something up and they react to it quite naturally. I always think that's quite nice. I'm like, oh, 
that's them actually doing something a little bit sincerely. But then that's probably just one out of a dozen takes where the rest of the baby is just screaming because they're like, why is Mark Ruffalo holding me? Who is yeah. Mark Ruffalo? Where or they're, is my or they're papa? crawling off somewhere else and they're like, you fucking baby. Get back. <laughs> You're so unprofessional. What, uh, what age do you have to stop flipping the bird at babies? Uh, 21. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. It took me a while. <laughs> A while to stop like. <laughs> it's hard to wean yourself off of old habits. Oh, you can say it. They don't know. You know. Are you are you deeply ingraining some sort of issue? Maybe. Maybe. Does a, a nine year old know what it means when you call them a jabroni? <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, it is a constant battle to be like, what's. Can I say to you, uh, trying to trying to get my kids uh, used to, especially the the older one, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to figure out the line for like I guess sort of teasing humor, and by that I mean like um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, so, something something where like you know you're making a joke about something the other person did that very clearly didn't happen. I've tried like uh, very very obviously winking while I'm doing it to indicate that I don't really think that that thing happened. But uh, but yeah, sometimes my kid is like, I don't like that kind of joke, and I go, all right, that one's that one's out until <laughs> we get it, you know? Because you can't be like, no no, it's fine. Even though you feel like you were being mocked in front of everybody, that's not what I was doing. So you just live with it. <laughs> it's, instead, I think you have to stop doing that kind of joke. Just for a while. Just so you can figure it out, you know? Anyway, over to Australian news. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful uh, segue that was. So smooth. So smooth. Hey, remember the Greens? The Australian Greens party? Yes. You do? I do. If this is one of those like cognitive decline tests, I can also tell you what year it is uh, and uh, draw a clock, um, whatever's required of me. Okay, well, let's start with the year. 2025. Haven't mm -hmm. seen the sun for a long time. It's cold down here in the bunker. I thought you were on a ship, a ghost ship. No, that was just a thing that we do for the intro of the episodes. Oh. I wonder if Andrew understands that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just committed. I'm to on the a bit. bicycle. <laughs> I understand that you have to be committed to the bit he, until the he episode lives ends. every single bit. That's right. As if method. he was method. I'm at the circus. His life is hell. <laughs> method acting like a dog. Uh, so yeah, Greens. What is she, senator? She is, she a, is senator. a senator. It's actually in her Twitter handle, which it I is. believe you're looking at. Uh, I am Sarah in the Sen number eight. Very cool. Remember Skate or Die in the end of the letter? Letter? One number. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Confusing numbers what and letters again. What about the TV show Sense8? Never watched it. Didn't I? Didn't I? Didn't either? Yep. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Welcome to Foot of History. It's a Foot podcast where we use words to create pictures. Truly evocative stuff. Uh, so, she posted a, a little, little tweety. Uh, on April the 10th. <clears throat> now, all right, Theo, I would like you to describe several things to me. Let's start with. <laughs> all we're right. going to start with. There's a lot here. 
Okay, so she's posted a screen capture from the Instagram account of Australian Christian music sensation and Australian Idol season one winner Guy Sebastian. Yes. I think he also does secular music as well. Yeah, maybe he does, but he gets most of his money from that. A Christian market, baby. Uh, so describe to me the post, Theo. All right, so we've got a a post from Guy Sebastian. It is location tagged from Wuhan, China. Now, we've got Guy Sebastian. He's in a uh, Harley Davidson t-shirt. Beautiful. Uh, Dude, that's so sick. Dude, I just saw vi- your shirt, bro. Is that like the motorcycles? Very cycles? sick. Like, like, like the bike. Hogs? I don't have one either, but... <laughs> Yeah, dude, I was thinking about getting like one of those as well. Them. One of the shirts, I can't... I don't know how to ride a motorbike, but that's sick, dude. Yeah. yeah. Do you like the stones? Uh, <laughs> fucking sick. And and he's uh, he's sitting with a uh, with a man. Uh, he appears to be an older gentleman. Uh, and uh, they're making kind of a... Um, I don't know. They, it looks like they're, they're sharing a secret, but I'm sure it's a hand... It's not the secret. ...gesture or something... Uh, and he's got the uh, subtitle there. Loved hanging out in Wuhan, comma China. Ate some seriously interesting things. More to come about that. And met some beautiful people. China is stunning in so many ways. Hashtag China. Hashtag Let me drink. Now, could you just uh, maybe cast your steely gaze upon the date at the bottom there? So this is. Dated uh, the second of November two thousand and nineteen. <laughs> um, which now, kind of? I don't know about okay. you guys, but I think mm-hmm. what's really interesting for me uh, is that the next picture in this series is him eating a pangolin stir fry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am especially fond of the uh, in brackets. More to come about that. Oh now, God. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but as we were kind of discussing pre the show, um, it's hard to know what to make of this screenshot. <laughs> I couldn't find it in his Instagram account. Um, now that might have been because I had a I had a guy look. I don't know if you guys have wives, but oh, Jesus Christ! Maybe if we can, we can get I them do. to have a look. I do, oh, uh, you do? Oh. Well, does do, does a lot of your conversation about having a guy look relate to where something is to be found in the refrigerator? Well, I find either in the refrigerator or uh, at the back of the uh, shelf where we keep the, the board games uh, uh-huh. and miscellaneous vases that we have in our house. So the what? Uh, miscellaneous <laughs> vases. And I'm looking vases? for perhaps... Uh, <laughs> A small ornate uh, statue of a of a rabbit that we use once a year for for Easter. Uh-huh. I can't find it. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, it's uh, it, looked at the stuff at the front. Is it in the shelf with the board games? Is it is in the shelf with the vases. Uh, is, it, is it on Guy Sebastian's Instagram feed? Now, <laughs> Who's to say? Do you think maybe uh, you? would have been able to find these things more readily if you'd perhaps had a, a girly look? I think there's perhaps the guy look that I was having that may be to blame in all of this. Now, see, this is interesting because I know that this is like, a, it's a real thing middle-aged couples love say, saying to each yeah. other, at least in Australia. I am the person in our relationship that finds things. Okay. I am the one who has the ability to look for something and know where it is. Uh, I, I love George uh, to bits. 
uh, wouldn't fault her for anything except her incredible inability to find anything at any time. Um, and when you know, I was having a guy look. Um, I did have a girl look, and I found the post. Um, oh. I, 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 I enjoyed the uh, the reply from Basketball Forever that says Shannon Noll would never have done this. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Noll, of course, the uh, runner-up in the Australian Idol. That's right. On uh, which Guy Sebastian won. Um, so, so the post Guy is Sebastian, real. The the post is real. The text. Uh, the, the text is real. Is it? Yes, it is real. And um, so, I guess what's important here is Green Senator Sarah Hanson Young tweeted a screenshot of this, but perhaps a screenshot she herself took, uh, judging by the time that the tweet was posted, the time the screenshot was taken. You can tell what time the screenshot was taken because she hasn't cropped out the little status bar along the top of the phone, which tells us a few things. Tells us this was taken at. 10.54 in the a.m. She had 53% battery. She was on power-saving mode, probably to forestall any battery issues later in the day. Tell she had two bars of signal, but she was on Wi-Fi. But we could also tell another thing, which uh, iPhone users will know about this. Uh, if you're on a phone call, your status bar will be green and show a little phone icon, which in this case has happened here. So she was talking to someone on the phone... In the middle of a phone call. And someone said to her, hey, you got to check out this post from Guy Sebastian. And she's looked at it and she's gone, oh, my sweet goodness. She's taken a screenshot and then approximately half an hour later, she's posted it to Twitter with the caption, what the heck? What the heck? What the heck indeed. Now, Sarah? what do we think? You know, every uh, rhetorically asked question, you know, has some sort of implication in it, Right. What do we think she's implying here? What is the point of interest that is making her share this image? Can I can I have a go here? Yes. I'll allow it. But this now better look. be going somewhere, Councillor. Now look. I think it's safe to say that we all want to assume the best of Australian Greens Senator Sarah Hanson Young. Uh, she would never she would never just fly off the handle or do anything crazy. That said, I think that she is accusing Australian Idol season one winner Guy Sebastian of contracting and spreading coronavirus to the world. Of perhaps being, would you say, patient zero of yes. COVID-19? No, of, patient one. Of being the all first. the patients, he is <laughs> number zero. <laughs> patient first guy. Uh, yep, that's what they call them in the medical biz. <laughs> yep. Patient numero uno, the big kahuna himself. Guy Sebastian, the first human host of the virus now identified as COVID-19. You don't now, want to put words in people's mouths, but I do, I sincerely believe that reading between the lines, and there is just one line, I guess, with uh, what the heck from Sarah. <laughs> There's one line and it has the thing written Sarah on it. Sarah in the Senate. Um, it is heavily implied that Guy Sebastian, winner of Australian Idol, uh, maker of pop music that sells at uh, the exit um, for gas stations, that sort of thing. Um, I got in trouble last time for saying gas stations. Petrol? What are you? Service stations. Service. Say whatever you want. Even. Say whatever you want. We My know what goodness. you mean. And knowing the meaning is more important than the literal words themselves, so please don't ever criticise us. Thank you very much. That's right. Uh, we have to say don't a whole bunch of words all us. in a row. Uh, and some of them will be wrong. Most of them. 
but Guy Sebastian, uh, responsible for at this date 114,000 deaths, <laughs> uh, 1.8 <laughs> million confirmed, <laughs> placing him uh, at the I believe above serial killers, but below your your Hitlers. Uh, still, I believe uh, about 270 billion deaths to catch up on before he is shoulder to shoulder with communism. Wow. Yeah. Yes, and uh, these tricky, I, I believe, because as we've found out online, every one of these deaths also adds on the communism counter. Oh, it's true. So true, he, yeah. he's in a sort of a birthday situation where he will be uh, gaining, but never, never quite catching up with the uh, communism count. There, he will never be older than his dad. That's true. That's that is true of so many people. <laughs> and now, just to stress, well, hold on, hold we're on. not making this allegation. No, no, no. Sarah Anton Young. So, so before we before we get to this, right? I want to play a little game, which is: can anybody look at this post and try to divine any other implication from this other than the one that we have? What the heck, guy Sebastian eating interesting things at the Wuhan market a month before it was identified? A month before all of this jazz, what the heck? Uh, so what else? What else could this possibly mean? Can anybody come up with any? Uh, it could, you know, maybe it means that's a, a funny coincidence that he has posted this online. I'm having trouble coming up with much else though, because outside of the context of the thing which is ravaging the planet and is all any of us can talk or think about, I can't. I can't see what other contexts and stuff. This is kind of relevant in. Does anybody have anything? I think what I saw bandied about by her, I think she also deleted this explanation, uh, was not so much that he had caused uh, <laughs> the transmission of COVID-19 to humans. Uh, it was that he somehow knew something was about to happen. Okay. The more to come. She She specified that it was the more to come, that it was like... Just funny and interesting that he sort of inadvertently signaled that something else was about to happen. And, and let's just put it out there: it is both funny and interesting. Not the, not the hundred thousand people dying. That's no, no neither funny that. nor interesting. Uh, uh, the I, other part. I guess it's guy Sebastian. In there. Yeah. So, uh, so we've had a go. We've had a go both ways, and she has then deleted the tweet and posted another tweet saying. I've deleted the Guy Sebastian tweet. Despite many understanding the context and the reasons Guy's post is trending online today, others have taken offence. What is that context, do you think? Is it the coronavirus thing? I wish we could find out what the world at large. Is it the massive sinophobia that the uh, wet market business is causing uh, that causes psycho-Australians to go up and uh, yell at people of Asian descent in the street um, or spray paint things outside their house or get into fights with them at supermarkets? Or Is it probably stand outside that vibe? the Chinese embassy cracking a whip, yelling about how they infected Australia on purpose? Did well, you see I, that guy? I didn't, but... I did, I did see that guy. I don't but, like him. Yeah, no I don't fan. think we could be friends. <laughs> no, there's, there's already a few signs that we just probably wouldn't have a rapport. 
But, uh, but yeah, like, so despite everybody else understanding the context, others have taken offense at my subtle, my subtle implication <laughs> that Guy Sebastian either caused or was aware of uh, coronavirus. If you, uh, the listener, have a another theory as to what she was trying to convey, uh, please feel free to let us know, mailbag at com. Or you can uh, leave a voicemail for us. I can't scroll through this document quickly enough. 1-800-317-515. Let us know. Tell us. Please do. Now, look, that's the fun side of coronavirus. Uh Uh That's the funny part? You heard it Uh, here first, folks. He asked. (laughs) That's... That's the funny part. It's good that uh, we're not successful enough to be cancelled. Oh, like can you right. imagine if we, you know, if we were, and then we they were like, we said. "Here's oh. an audio clip of them laughing at coronavirus." Let's never get to that level. Let's not. We'll just end up with a quote that's just got the dot dot dots in between. So it's uh, something like, <laughs> "I love uh, dot dot." Here's dot. the funny thing about coronavirus. <laughs> dot dot dot. Uh, Sinophobia. And then... Oh, my goodness. Um, however, it turns out there is a dark side to coronavirus. Who would have thought? And that is this, uh, this new type of post, this new type of opinion piece that has come from the usual sorts of culprits. And there is a post... Uh, that, that went up in the Australian Financial Review from senior writer John Kehoe, uh, entitled, Lives Matter, But at What Cost? Question mark. Like, we talk about this a lot, right? The, the fact that uh, internet digital journalism is fucking desperate for clicks above all else because it's all advertising driven and that they know that largely the only way to get traffic is driven by outrage or by saying something that's obviously wrong or insensitive or whatever but like just seeing a headline like that where you can say maybe the writer is acting in good faith and they are writing what they genuinely hold to be their beliefs reducing it down to that headline is just such fucking desperation for people to be mad at you so that people actually fucking share your fucking article lives matter but at what cost is such a like, that's not even the argument they're trying to make, or at least it is, but they're framing it in the most obnoxious way possible. I hate this shit so much. Really boils my loins. Well, if you hate the headline, you got to love the article. <laughs> cool. uh, so let's breeze through some of it here. Scott Morrison says, every Australian matters. Uh, in, in scare quotes, like, that is patently untrue. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they've just been born or they're approaching the end of their life. End quote. The Prime Minister was responding to criticism that governments are inflicting economic destruction on a generation of working-age Australians to save the lives of overwhelmingly older people from the coronavirus. Now, apart from the fact that that's uh, right off the bat not true, I mean, yes, obviously, you're trying to protect the most vulnerable people, which does include elderly people, Uh, It includes immunocompromised people, it includes disabled people, and in a lot of cases, it includes, like, um, like in America, the people that are being hugely disproportionately affected in cities like Chicago are African-American people. 
um, a lot of minimum wage workers, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but to this guy, it's it's old people. That's it. Uh, <laughs> inflicting economic destruction on a generation of working age Australians. That's, That's the a demographic. Cool th- yeah, they're also love. a fun, a fun demographic to just have on hand at all times. Hey, hey, bro, you still making value? Oh, Are you, st- you still able to generate a profit for somebody? Because there's there's that demographic, the great big one in the middle, and then there's all the chaff around. Why are we even you know? keeping you guys around? Yep. As we head into Easter, billions for flight center. As we head into Easter, the devoutly Christian Morrison is juggling his desire to preserve lives with his economic pragmatism as a former treasurer to save jobs. Federal and particularly state governments have put people's physical health first while engineering a deep recession by shutting down business activity. Uh, again, this idea that they they said, you know what we would love is a recession, as opposed to this is kind of a thing that has to happen as a secondary as a secondary you know result of this. As a result, Australia is now successfully flattening the coronavirus curve as the growth in new infections slows significantly. Yes, because of the thing that you just mentioned. Yes, because of the thing they're actually doing. Yet there is a high economic and social price being paid. Quote, a very large economic contraction is expected to be recorded in the June quarter and the unemployment rate is expected to increase to its highest level for many years, the Reserve Bank of Australia says. Much will depend on the success of the efforts to contain the virus and how long the social distancing measures need to remain in place, end quote. Whereas, I mean, this guy does have one genius point in that uh, if you're dead, you don't count towards the unemployment numbers. (laughs) It's true. Which are the most important numbers, apparently. Well, you hate to see an unemployment number. Uh, The nation needs innovative and least worst policy responses, holistically considering people's physical health, mental well-being, economic livelihoods, social cohesion, and civil order. In contrast to countries where the virus has spread aggressively, Australia has had the opportunity to draw breath and publicly debate the trade-offs of coronavirus (laughs) policy and the future easing of restrictions. Hey, Hey, guys, you know how we've got it so good compared to everybody else? What if we didn't? What if we... This is what? this is the thing that is like um, so fucking stupid. Well, since we haven't been completely fucked up, we've got time to decide whether we want to be completely fucked up or not. Awesome. It's maddening because this is just this entire thing is just like the anti-vaccination debate. It is just people saying, "Well, you know, nobody has measles anymore, so what are we bothering with the measles stuff?" Hey, nobody's got polio. Why are we both, you know, like, it's just this whole thing of, hey, we in, we acted quickly, relatively quickly and decisively and, and shut a bunch of stuff down and kept a bunch of people in. We're trying to figure out the areas where that can be relaxed. I know there is a lot of debate about that stuff uh, in Australia. There is a lot of debate about, you know, the, the, you know, Australia's default impulse in any situation to say we'd better give the cops the more ability to hit somebody with a stick uh and to issue fines to them and everything but um you know and and whether or not things like telling people that they can't go out and sit on a park bench is worthwhile which it's not but i like on a just for me personally i think that starting out with Let's go really hard on setting the expectation that people be doing strict social distancing and everything and then figure out what we can reintroduce is better than doing it the other way around and saying, let's, you know, what what they tried to do in that first week or two of saying like, 
Oh, well, you can go and get your hair cut, but it has to take half an hour or less. And uh, you you can do this, but there can only be this many people in the room. They were trying to do all of these, like, you know, little specific variations of things. People cannot track that shit. I think if you're trying to issue large public health edicts, you have to have, like, simplistic things that most people can understand. Um, to me, the parallel to that is, like... Um, <clears throat> is is like the foods you can eat when you're pregnant thing because uh, uh my wife and i talked about this a lot when uh, we were having kids which was you know they tell you don't eat any sushi and don't eat uh don't eat like soft cheese soft cheese and all these things that they say don't don't do any of these things don't drink alcohol and all that sort of stuff and if you actually like examine a bunch of these things in detail you will find that it's fine to have like you know one glass of wine a day it's fine to it's not the eating soft cheese that's the problem it's the getting listeria from like you know unpasteurized milk and shit like that um but the point is that these things can happen in very unlikely scenarios or, or at really really low rates but what's easier for people to understand? Like, don't eat raw fish and soft cheese? Or is it easier if you say, now look, depending on where the fish came from and what time of year it is and how long it's been sitting around for and, oh, and like, what kind of cheese was it? Where do you live? What's the, how was that pasteurized? <laughs> like, all of that sort of shit. It's just easier as a public health thing to say. Here's a flat rule. If you want to go and go outside. Out, yeah, if you want to kind of think around that. And I know that a lot of stuff is strict. But hey, what if uh, everybody just died instead? What if we just said, hey, ease off on all of that, you know? Hmm. And I don't like being alive, but I don't know what the other thing is. So. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> other thing is. That to me is scary. <laughs> he continues, physical distancing, international border lockdowns and limits on less essential businesses have taken pressure off the health system while it builds extra capacity. Again, sounds good. Those Yet a generation of people mm. in the prime of their lives are suffering the brutal consequences of economic and social hardship. Unemployment is surging. Businesses are closing. Incomes are being slashed. People are hurting. Again, that's true. And it's a result of the not having the pandemic absolutely ravaging our populace and our health system. Have I got that right? Yeah, we've got the good problems. Yes. Yes. We've got the ones that that people want to have um, when you kind of measure up against how people are doing in, in this horrible time. Uh, the job shedding pain has spread further than political leaders envisaged. People in tourism, travel, sport, fitness, retail, events and hospitality are not the only workers suffering. Professions assumed to be relatively secure, such as accountants and lawyers, are being forced onto four-day work weeks. We finally got the four-day work week. We did it, everyone. 20% pay cuts. Uh, again. This is why they're putting the, all of the death toll on the communism pile. Because uh, yes. it's... Three we're getting week. the four-day work week at the same time. Uh, tradies will be hurt from new home-building projects being cancelled. Even locksmith work has dried up as people stay at home and don't lose their keys. Everyone, uh, take, take your house key off the key ring and flush it down the toilet in solidarity with locksmiths. Like... I, I guess what gets me about this this kind of thing is that it's just this weird, weird inability to kind of 
like draw the line between the thing we're doing on the front end of this that he's talking about as being good and stopping a lot of deaths and everything is the this is this is the thing that everybody's going to do to make the collective sacrifice to protect our community and our country and everything and part of that that bleeds on is yes yeah, so a lot of people are losing jobs um, and also a bunch of people are getting pay cuts and all that sort of thing myself included but but that's the but but it's like it's this or it's we all go about our business and like a shitload of old people die a shitload of people with health problems die yeah and i think it's probably now's a good time to bring up that um the vast majority of of economists believe that if you let people go out now right you just lift it and let people go about their their business that the, the economy will collapse anyway if a whole shitload of people um, get very, very sick uh, and then die and then everybody's afraid to go out and do this stuff, the economy's going to collapse one way or, or the other. Um, and if that's what you care about, if that's all you care about, then this is the least bad option. And your option then is to look at, well, what do we do to make this not so uneven so that the people that are, that are still in work, the people that have lost their jobs, there's not applying uh you know differentially to everybody that everyone has a fair kind of go at still being able to to live a reasonable life because we still have food we still have shelter uh, as much as the landlords would like you to convince your house disappears when people stop paying rent but like nothing nothing that that these freaks say and it's i guess this guy is probably the mildest of them because they range from this through the ipa dipshits um that they keep having on ABC for some reason through to actual fascists. Um, like, nothing that they say will actually materially improve the situation. It'll just mean that a whole shitload of people will die, right? Like, that's that's the that's the rub in all of this. Well, like you said, it's, it's the same thing as Trump in the US initially saying, yeah, we'll have a week or two of lockdown and then we're going to crank the big... Uh, the big economy engine uh, at Easter and, and just open everything back up again. Just cranking that coronavirus dial and looking back at the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And More like, or less. Like, like he said, what that's going to result in is lots of deaths, your hospital system being completely overwhelmed and incapable of dealing with anything, which is going to result in lots more deaths. And that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to make people even more scared than they are by this very unusual situation of having to just kind of self-isolate and stay home and like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm so aware of like how, how comparatively to a lot of people in the world safe my existence is. And it's still hard not to be unnerved by just how different everything is. Like I went to run into the supermarket yesterday cause we needed to get some stuff and, um, and my wife and kids stayed in the car and I went in and that, so there was like a lady standing at the entrance to the Woolworths with like a nightclub door clicker thing and a big sign saying we're limiting the number of people who can come into the store at one time so that everybody can have lots of space. And they had like a, a big um, nightclub type rope situation set up for people to queue with stickers on the ground for how far you should stay from each other and that extended like however far out of the front of the supermarket 
And then there was just a whole bunch of people milling around, not quite knowing how to line up or where to stand or whatever. And everybody's just kind of milling around in this little crowd. And I just sort of got there and went, no, and turned around and walked off. <laughs> I, just, I immediately said, no, I, I don't want to start this process. Uh, it's stressing me out. And I went over to the Aldi, which was there and walked right in. And then there were heaps of people in the store. And I was like, this is bad too. Uh, all very unsettling. You know, but uh, but I feel like being unsettled about how you get into the supermarket or whatever is better than being unsettled by, say, your country posting the highest numbers of deaths due to this virus in the world. Or all of the people who are still being forced to go to work starting to die in crazy numbers, you know, all that kind of thing. But this guy's got some other ideas. Uh, he does a little, a little lamenting of, uh, recessions, uh, being correlated with rises in suicide crime, domestic violence. Um, he's got a little thing about how when people become unemployed, their well-being falls sharply. Shocking news. Um. Which, which we don't, we want to do something about that now, right? But not like oh, other you, times. Yeah. Um, what we like to do the rest of the time is hit the people who don't have jobs with a big stick and say, why don't you have a job yet? Uh, the public will grow more agitated as the economic and social consequences unravel. The decision makers, makers taxpayer-funded politicians and public servants, will never know what it's like to lose a six-figure salary and join a dole queue <laughs> or receive a wage subsidy equivalent to only $39,000 a year. My six-figure salary. It's so nuts that this is their way of saying that politicians are out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, and and I should say as well, like I uh, I was reading uh, a copy of the Canberra Times. That's a newspaper, and. There was a little little snippet in there from uh, the Prime Minister being on Alan Jones's show. And he was asked by Alan Jones, Oh, all these people are losing their jobs. Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't we be, however they want to put it, you know, sharing the pain? Shouldn't other people have to feel a bit of the pain too? Shouldn't we be looking at, you know, making, making pay cuts to the public service and doing redundancies in the public service? And Morrison's answer was no. Like, just a flat out, no, we're not looking at that at all. That does not register at all. And outside of times like this, the extremely common refrain of conservatives in Australia is, the public service is too big, they're all lazy, and it's all a big bludge, and they're all stealing your money, and the public service should be smaller, and we should be shrinking it, and everything like that. But in a situation like this, they've completely dropped the um the you know normal ideological framing that they have about that and just said no why would we do that because what is the reason for doing that if the entire thing that the government is trying to do and in this guy's view the thing that they should be trying to do is keep people in their jobs and stop as many people as possible from losing their incomes and going on to the dole queue and everything how does sacking a bunch of people help that how does telling, like, how does saying, oh, a lot of other people lost their jobs, so a bunch of public servants in secure employment should lose their jobs too, just to make someone feel better? I mean, that's their first reflex, isn't it? To cut public service. I mean, it's worth a try. Don't know why, but well, give it a go. It is, it is just interesting, I guess, in these times to see 
how quickly a lot of conservatives have just completely dropped all of their their ideological posturing about this type of issue and said, no, no, we're, we're going to stop pretending that, like, you know, we don't need to have a public service or that we should be stripping all of the money out of, like, Medicare and giving it to the private health industry or any of those things. They've just gone, oh, no, 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 that's a bit that we normally do when we've got nothing going on. Uh, but in this case, now we all actually know that it matters to have a social safety net and it matters to have a healthcare system that works and is adequately funded. Um, and it's good to have a bunch of public servants in secure employment, all that kind of thing. Uh, so he says, public frustration is already building on infringements against civil liberties, such as going to the park, a long car drive, fishing, and playing golf. I hate it when my six-figure salary gets taken and I can't play golf. I'm a man of the people. I just want to get out on the back nine. Oh, failing that, the front nine, you know? Moreover, it is legitimate to ask if policymakers should prioritize people of all ages equally. Get ready to get dark, everybody. The coronavirus overwhelmingly kills older people. Is a person who has lived into their late 70s, 80s, or 90s owed the same priority to preserve life as a person in their 20s or 30s who typically has more than 50 years still left to live? Many seniors have had time to enjoy careers, children, and grandchildren. And that time is up. That's it. They're done. TikTok motherfuckers. My father is 68 and insists he's had a good run. (laughs) Well, cool. Let's just go put them out into the streets and then shoot them in the head. Putting the no country for old men. uh, (laughs) Step out of the car, please, sir. Yep, just against my father's forehead. With the swimming pool and tennis club in his Victorian town now closed, his daily pursuits are off limits. <laughs> his physical fitness and mental well-being are suffering. I would rather shoot my is, father yeah, in the face this, than have him go is, without his tennis. That is one hundred percent what he's saying. He's like, well, he might as well be he's dead. He's had a good life now, but without his tennis club. His suffering is too great. Oh, he got to see the eagles once, and uh, now he can't go for a swim, so I think I'm just going to chop his head off with a samurai sword. Hmm? Just, just incredible. Like, and it's not like, I mean, with, you know, with modern Western life expectancies, it's not like 68 is, like, just about to drop dead. No, like, I think the thing that's astonishing with all of these takes is that the age ranges that they're, that they're talking about, when people like us see this, we're talking about the age ranges that our parents are in. Mm. And we're like, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm still like grappling with the fact that my, you know, parents are growing older and, you know, aren't as young as they used to be sort of thing. So I'm still We've been like, over this. You are never going to be older than your father. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> Try hard as you might. Uh, and I am trying. Um, and like, so the concept is that there's a... a a breed of of media dipshits out there that are all just like teeing up for the possibility to, for like our parents to die so that uh, economy number goes up is astonishing. I feel like I anybody, should uh, direct anybody hear this that person. fun angle grinding happening outside my window. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Cool. I feel like I should direct this person to a little website called startsat60.com. Huh. Uh, that is the news website for retirees 
uh, that's all about reinforcing how life really does start at 60. Huh. Uh, so, you know, this guy's, this guy's dad can't play tennis. Uh, he can't play golf. It's starting to sound like they should do a suicide pact. Uh, he says, many seniors like him would not put their own life above the livelihoods of their children and grandchildren if the economic and social costs are too great. Very disputable. Imagine how many people out there are like, wait, you're telling me that my, um, that my dipshit uh, 32-year-old son-in-law might have to go on the dole queue for 18 months? No, I will step up to be put into the Soylent Green Grinder. And you absolutely saw people like just pushing their poor millennial grandchildren out of the way with the uh, um, tax credit bullshit in the last election. Like the concept that they would give up 5% of their dividend bond yield or whatever, let alone their life for younger people, it's, it's ludicrous. But also, they shouldn't have to. Like this. <laughs> no, so, I've changed. I've changed my. Uh, I've changed my attack midstream. <laughs> but uh, so yes, yet Morrison suggests people of all ages are equally worth saving. Strong implication that they are not. Yeah, and also strong implication that we're going to die if this doesn't lift. Like, no, we're just not going to be able to uh, go to trampoline world. Just ridiculous stuff. And I guess I wanted to note about this as well, that I've seen this take now from a bunch of right-wing dipshits. I think Toby Young did the same thing in the UK of saying, hey, uh, you know, what about our economy? Shouldn't we be deciding which people who've had a good run can probably just, you know, probably just cop it? If you're all at home, then who's inventing the iPhone 2? And I guess like the first, the first one of these I saw, I was like, oh, gross. Um, and then it became very quickly apparent that this is pretty much for like, for conservative psychos. This is now the one uh, uniform contrarian take is like, yes, it's good that we've saved a bunch of lives by closing everything down, but if if enough money gets shaved off the big money number of the economy, then that's bad. So maybe we should think about letting a lot of people die. Um, and I, I did see a clip of a of like a press conference from a country. I want to say it was Greece. Uh, press conference, and their like health minister got asked about this idea of like, oh, you know, is it possible that we need to? We need to think about like letting certain segments of the populace die off in order to preserve this stuff. And the guy responded to the question and, and just like broke down and started crying while he was answering this person on the podium and saying like these people are our parents and our brothers and our sisters and our grandparents and they're part of our society and they are part of our history and they deserve, you know, respect and dignity and just fucking being treated as real people. And I would rather be the sort of person who had that reaction than this one of like, yes, you love your grandmother, but the tennis club is closed. And how long can the tennis club stay closed for? How long should I have to go without my six-figure salary and my golf in order to keep potentially thousands of people alive. (sighs) 
He says, lives are definitely worth saving, comma, but... But... But the public will demand politicians consider and disclose the full costs and benefits as the pain spreads. Uh, what he's asking for is the scene from The Dark Knight where uh, the guy gets up and says, I'll turn the key and blow up the other boat. Uh, and then he and then he gets the key and he goes, oh, fuck. I don't want to blow up the boat. I thought I wanted to blow up the boat, but I couldn't. Ah, oh, shucks, I'm going to sit down. Well, do you think, like... Yeah, in in this case, it's just like, is is this guy really saying that he he'd be the person who'd be happy to like you know sign the law that says we are actively consenting to the idea that like uh, that we're going to let a whole segment of our populace die, especially like the part of the populace that is supposed to be the sort of uh, dedicated and loyal conservative voter as well. Um, I, I have wondered I have wondered about like whether or not there are a bunch of older people who would normally vote conservative who are reading these kinds of takes and going, What the fuck? It turns out that we are also completely expendable to you if we're if we're making trouble for the economy, you know? But yeah, I, don't, I just I don't even understand the point, the purpose of writing a thing like this, because number one, obviously, uh you know, this whole thing has been so, such a dramatic change to things as usual that even hardline conservative governments are forced to acknowledge that, hey, uh, maybe there is an actual purpose to a government. Maybe there's a reason that we don't have businesses run <laughs> run governments and shit like that. Um, maybe part of the purpose of the government is things like a social safety net and to perform services that there isn't actually a profit incentive to do, you know, like keeping people alive. And yeah, I just, I just don't know what the point of writing this is because we've clearly all decided that that is the way to go. We need to collectively act to save as many people as possible and then figure out how we're going to fix things afterwards. Um, but yeah, also is he saying... Hey, vote one me, the the herd color. Herd Cullington. You know? I don't know. You tell me. Iggy Pop is seventy two. Just you know, if we're let talking Iggy Pop like, die. We gotta let Iggy Pop die. You know, he's had a good run. Uh he can no longer go to the uh wearing jeans but no shirt store. <laughs> uh so you know, where's he going to get his joy from? It's time to let Iggy Pop get coronavirus. I think we should give it to Keith Richards just to see if it does kill him. Well, I don't think anything can kill him at this point. Yeah, that's true. Well, I feel like that's about all we have time for. Um, please do not uh, kill all of your grandparents and stuff with coronavirus. Tell them that they can't just keep going around to people's houses to play canasta. They've... Got to stay inside. Stay safe. They've got to learn to play Cyber Canasta. <laughs> E-Canasta. <laughs> it's the play. latest Digi-Trend. Oh, I love a Digi-Trend. A Digimon, you know? Mm, yep. Uh, if you didn't really listen to any of this episode, to summarise, get your grandparents to play Digimon. Yes. Ideally, yes. Well, that's it, fellas. Do you have anything else to say to the people? Oh, um, Go on. Take your time. It's fine. Uh, this is 
you know, it probably doesn't apply to anyone that's uh, listening to this, but every now and then I've gone, I've gone out for a walk to get some exercise, right? Get out of the house, mm-hmm. feel a little bit healthy, and maybe because I've been, you know, anxious or depressed inside or whatever, uh, and you're desperate for some sort of human contact. If I've seen someone who's also going for a walk, you know, I'll give them a little smile and a good day. And, uh, I've had a couple of people, mostly older people. They're almost entirely exclusively people 60 and over. Maybe we should kill them. Uh, who have just scowled at me, uh, for being out on the streets. And it has made me feel like absolute dog shit. So I think a nice, a nice thing you can do in this time, if you're walking around your neighborhood, Getting a little bit of exercise. Uh, say fucking hello to people. You don't have to get close to them. You don't have to, like, exchange, you know, fluid particles with them or whatever. There's a little no wave. fluids being exchanged. Yeah, just a little, how you going? Maybe just a little g'day nod. Just some little bit of, like, human fucking connection at this point is quite nice. Don't Even if you have to give someone a, a wide berth because you're worried you're going to have to fucking, you know, get the rony from them. Uh, just say hello. It's all I'm asking. Yeah. Be nice. Hmm. Don't That's get the nice. rony. Do say hello. Don't yeah. get the big C. Give them the big H, which is a Can't hello. There's a new big C. <laughs> yep, the new one every minute. <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, don't actually go outside. Stay inside and play Half Life remake Black Mesa. Who'd have thought? Half Life still good. Uh, did you play the new the new one? Yeah, no, I'm playing the 2020 version, um, uh, and it's good. Wait, it's is very this good. Black Mesa is the the third party thing someone built where they rebuilt it in Source, right? Like that's right. But uh, bloody uh, Alex's story or whatever is the oh, new thing. Yeah, no, I don't it's have the, the I don't have all those uh, gadgets and doohickeys. I'm barely uh, keeping up with Econaster at this stage. So. <laughs> sure. <sighs> oh. Well, that's it, everybody. Enjoy your games of e-canasta. Uh, physical canasta, if you can manage it. And uh, if you like the show and want bonus episodes, let's be honest, we're putting them out free. We're putting them out free during lockdown time, so everybody's got something to listen to. But if you would like to show your support for the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Vista. Slap down a little five wing-wangs a month just to say thanks. Thanks for the content. Um... Here's a little income for people in these difficult times. Uh, but if you don't or can't do that, that's totally fine as well. If you want to send something into us, say hello or you're cancelled or whatever, um, shoot an email to mailbag at buntavista.com. That's it. That's life, you know? You know how they say that? Isn't that the one of those magazines you get at the checkout? That's life. That's yes, life. That is. It's uh, crosswords and salacious gossip, I believe. Yes. My cousin killed me with a machete <laughs> and I was resurrected <laughs> by a voodoo witch doctor. That's life. That's life. That's oh, regular life. That is life. Life as she has lived. Yep. All right, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.